Uh, hi, I'm Adam. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren, for um, asking me to speak. And uh, this is the Saturday group. It's my first time in the Saturday circuit. So I stayed for the weekend here and, um, and I'm grateful to be here and share about my program. What it was like... Um, so I was thinking on the way over here and this morning is uh, whatever it was, it's not like that anymore. Right. So whatever was going on, it's arrested. It's done. It's entirely done. So the the energy of of being in food addiction um, and the way I approached my life, uh, it's not here anymore. Uh, it's just I don't it's it's gone. And it and it and even if it. If there's a micro trace of it, it's so far, it's so dramatically different than what it once was that um, it's the biggest miracle of my life, bar none. Bar none, this is the, the uh, most important event of my life, um, it, and it gave me a life. So um, I came in, my top weight is over 300 pounds. I'm, I'm down uh, between 135 and 140 pounds. I... Uh, I got abstinent on November 30th, 1998. I just took 19 years. So, um, so, and it's, and every bit of change in my life really is a testament to, to the principles of, of Overeaters Anonymous. I have people in my life who don't have a program and they, they're like, why aren't you monetizing this? You know, like, like, you know, like, like, why are you know, like you really, you know, you can write a blog, a book, you know, and, um, and, 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 you know, you say these things and I'm like, everything I, all the download is from here. And, you know, somebody's, there is somebody doing a big, you know, like somebody, there's somebody in the world is, has really monetized this. And, and somebody came up to me and said, Thanksgiving is just Thursday. And I'm like, oh, I never heard that before. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I never heard that one. You know, so, so, um, what was it like, uh, uh, you know, the the story of what it was like, I, I don't know. It might have happened anyways. I happened to come from a large family. I happened to um, be five years old, and my twin brothers were born prematurely. They didn't know they were having twins, and um, it was terrifying. And one of them, uh, they were both premature, very sick, pre-ultrasound days. One of them um, had, had, had oxygen losses okay now. Uh, actually in in uh, in program and uh, doing very well. And the other one had profound um, brain damage and oxygen loss, and and it was a big deal. It was a big deal. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. The, the, you know, the, those things weren't supposed to happen to our family and where we came from. That was a big um, that was a big deal. It, it was not supposed to be spoken about. So they um, they. They, for the first few years, he was, you know, he lived in foster care. He wasn't even in our house. And um, it was just a big earthquake. And I can get really move on with the sadness of this, but it may have happened anyways. You know what I'm saying? I may not have had that story. I may have found food. And, but the reality was is that um, at an early age, I found food. And it's when I say I found food, it's that disturbing eating. Um, it's not just um, it's not just uh, it's not just oh I overate. It's it's gluttony. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, there's 
this program, um, Overeaters Anonymous, um, was started, I think, in 1960 at the same time in Texas. There was a program called Gluttons Anonymous. I belong to that program. <laughs> right? That's, that's the type of disturbing, disturbing volume eating. And, and I learned early on that to eat that way, I can't let you know that I'm doing that. Um, I, so I learned how to sneak it. And I don't want you to look at me, but if you have to, that's okay. Meaning, like, it's too important to me to eat. I have to do it. So if I'd rather sneak it and not see you and not have you see me. But if it's all I got and you're going to be there, then I'm not going to just, you know, how we talk about closing the drapes and locking ourselves in a room. I don't need to do that. Just watch me and uh, be disturbed and don't let me know that you're here's the problem if you if you show concern i i want to kill you <laughs> right i want to kill you. i don't want to hear your concern and i don't want to um i don't want to um i don't want to have to face the fact that i'm struggling i know it already and i don't want to i don't want you to notice it so that i asked a lot of the world right because at in my disease i wanted to eat as much as i want in the sick way that I wanted to, and I wanted you to receive me as somebody who's well. And I wanted you to like me, respect me, think I'm smart, think I'm attractive, and think I'm all these things, but I didn't want you, I didn't want you to acknowledge, or nor did I want to acknowledge, that I'm, st- I'm killing myself. I'm killing myself, and even if I do think that life should have rules, I can't follow them. So, it's not that I don't believe, there. I, I, I don't think the rules apply to me, Sometimes I thought they should, but I couldn't keep them anyways. So I want, but I wanted to. I, I, a part of me, I wanted to be good. I wanted to be a good boy, right? I wanted to do the work of life, and I wanted to um, study and do those things, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it because it's really hard to be high and to be well. It's just hard to pull off. Some of us in the room probably were able to do it better, but I wasn't good at it. And um, it was really, really urgent that I can eat that way. And it was, I made it more important than other things, whether I wanted to admit it or not, right? So whatever is going on in my life, I have to have room for this disturbing eating. And uh, so suffice it to say, it's called getting by. It's not called fulfillment when you live that way. It's not a form of, um, it's not a form of productivity that I, I admire in my recovered self. It's just about getting by and surviving. And anything I get, it's like I'm lucky. I don't really feel good about myself. So, um, and I also have this, we all know this sort of weird part of ego that I'm, you know, you know better than everybody else. You know, the, you know uh, what do we call it? Um, egomaniac with an inferiority complex. So there's some of that stuff too. But for the most part, if my, in my truth of truths, I really don't feel very deserving. I sometimes wonder, it's very hard to have true self-esteem if you're practicing any disease, right? If you're in that, how could you, you know, that means I'm comfortable hurting myself, right? I'm not. So that guy from 19 years ago was entirely comfortable hurting himself and hurting you. Meaning, so I wasn't exactly thinking about how you're doing and how I can be of help to you. I, I, that wasn't my mission. My, I wasn't really. I didn't care about you. And if I wanted you to like me, I would compromise. If you told me something, and then I can tell somebody else that, and that would make them like me. That's fine. I'll do whatever I can. I, 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 even though I know it's not right, I, it's hard for me to follow the rules. So, and I don't have the. I don't have that power. So, what happened? I just kept eating. My. I tried really hard to, 
to be a guy who's well-liked and who's established and validated and all these things that people would want. And what I found was I kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and my world kept getting smaller and smaller. So I was, I was, the bigger I got, the more isolated I felt. And I tried. I tried to make it work. I tried lots of things. Um, and uh, I, just one, my, my roommate from college talked about... Um, a moment that he remembered when he knew something was wrong. So I was always just, and I, and I you know, I was always a guy who drank a lot. I, I ate a lot, mostly pronounced was my eating. Didn't really care. Wore the same thing every day. Ashed on myself. I didn't even use this, an ashtray, right? I was just like that guy. Like I don't give a fuck about anything, right? And celebrating that. And he he talked about like it was. We were 22. He was in L.A. for a wedding. I wasn't invited of. Uh, too, I was probably wounded that I wasn't invited and I wasn't aware of it. <laughs> so I, I did what I do. My mom had, had, like, she was very generous. She would have people over and, you know, she would, we came from a big family. She would make these vats of spaghetti. So, and meatballs. And, and um, I, it was two in the morning. I just, I was a night eater. I was a daytime eater. I didn't have one particular problem. I was just a, I was just a eater, eating machine. So I did what I do. I woke up in the middle of the night and it was so urgent that I took the spaghetti bowl, like this big vat of uh, the serving thing, not the bowl, the serving, like a picture of big chicken soup, and I took it and I poured it over myself and it's all over me and it's like, I'm like sucking it in. It's so, and I look up and I see my two friends staring at me and I'm like, they're, they're like, what am I looking at? <laughs> now they had, you know, what am I seeing here? And, and, I, and I looked at them and like, I'm like, I'm nailed. And... He told me like two years ago, he said, I didn't know what was, I didn't understand till that moment what was going on. I'm like, he's like, I don't know what it was. It was super disturbing to me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I bet. So, so that, that, that's what it was like. And um, I wanted to get better and I, I, I would try to, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I went into the helping profession really about trying to figure out how I'd get better and I wrote, tried to write like a chronicle of my own experience of getting better. I was going to write it and submit it to, for, for, um, to a, for three professors who were going to read it and say, that's awesome, all about me. You know, the big book by me. <laughs> how, you know, how I, how I succeeded by me. I'm going to start. And I kept, you know, I was going to chronicle my own story and experience. What an interesting um, uh, was an interesting project, and of course, it, I got the chair. I, I actually got the proposal in, and, and uh, it never happened, just like because I couldn't do it. And um, so I, I was looking for for this, and I, I was in a field placement, um, and I was probably 24, and the guy, bless his soul, had cancer, and I was like, he was my supervisor. I would like meet him with the mask in the hospital, and he, and uh, and he. He said to me, it's my ethical obligation to tell you that I think you have a problem with food. And I'm like, no shit. And, and he's like, and he's like, he's like, you're, you're, you're a food addict. And I'm like, I'm not an alcoholic. He, I said, I have to eat. He said, not like that. And I, and I, he, and, and I was, I was like, something, I didn't, I didn't, something opened up. I'm like, oh my God. I didn't know. And this, by the way, it took me five more years, six more years to get to the program from that point. Because then it became about, he's right, I eat like an alcoholic drinks. Oh my God. You know, like, when I thought alcoholism, I thought like, skid row, like, you know, paper bag, bottles. I'm like, he's saying that my eating is like that. And he's right. 
I'm not going to do anything about it. He said, you've got two options. You can go to a spiritual program or a like men's program in Chicago. Men's program, I'm like, I'm not going to a spiritual program. I went to a men's program in Chicago. It was great. Um, it worked like everything else until it didn't work. You know, they were, and they were like all blue collar, like real tough Chicago guys. And they would yell at people like, nobody shoved the food up your ass. And, you know, like, you know, like when they gained weight in their weigh-ins. And, and I loved them. And I just, but when I, when I was my turn to gain weight, I'm, I'm not going there. And I, I couldn't go. And then I went to Overeaters Anonymous in Chicago. And I thought, they're crazy. I don't go to groups. I give groups. And, um, you know, they're crazy. You know, they're so angry. Some guy tore out of a meeting and he, like, I heard his car screech. I'm so angry. And he hit another car and you hear his car screech. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. And then I went, I'm like, I don't, and then somebody said, there's a big buck. I don't want this. This is nonsense. I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I, I got this. That's the worst three words I heard here. If you're, if you're saying, I got this, you're in trouble. Just, just, I got this is not a good thing to say. Um, that's, that's the only bad grade you can get here. So, um, now even that, you're keen. Keep coming back. You can say, I got this. So, uh, then, then I went in LA and it wasn't as offensive, but they were like in the valley. They're all women. It's like perfume, it was a small room, it's cheesy, but it wasn't like, I don't go, I didn't have, I don't go to groups, I give groups. And, um, and then I, I kept eating, you know, kept eating. Um, and I, I wanted, I, like I said, I, I didn't want to be a guy who couldn't be disciplined. I don't like it. I was like, please, I can't, I remember like pleading with, pleading with whatever, like foxhole God, please, right? Please, I can't stop. I would like, and um, I worked. So what happened is I worked. Uh, I worked side by side with an alcoholic, and uh, a man in this program, and um, or in one of the food programs, and I didn't know it. And uh, and one day I came to work. This little woman, um, little Italian, old somebody my mom's age. She I I she comes to work. I go to work and she said, "What's wrong?" I said, "I can't stop eating." I said, I just can't stop. I had, it was November 8th, 1998. I, I went to Ralph's and I had a, like a, like not the binge to end all binges, but just like one of these, like buy it and just, just devour the food in my car. And she said, we're going, and I said, I can't stop. She said, we're going to a meeting. She said, like, like mantras, we're going to a meeting. Just, and we just, she found one and we went. I said, why are you, thank you. Why are you doing this? She said, this is what we do. So. And then I, and then, and then, and she said, don't thank me, do it for someone, to someone else, for someone else. Then she said, abstain no matter what, just, just do this no matter what, and just keep going to meetings. Don't worry about anything else. Maybe that wasn't the best advice, (laughs) right? Don't worry about anything else. Maybe that's not so great, (laughs) right? But, um, but that's what she said. And, and, um, on November, so I went there, it was great, got some of that craziness down. On November 15th, I turned 30, I um, was at my in-laws house, I grabbed a piece of cake, I shoved it in my pocket, I had never had that cake before, it was sticky, and I just, just shoved it in my pocket when no one was looking at it, like, I call it like praying mantis move, like, you know, and shove it in my pocket, devour it, and, um, and, uh, and it's all over me, it's all over my pants, and... Um, Here's the turning point. I came to Overeaters Anonymous, and you could have killed me with your kindness. And somebody, somebody said to me, I had the decency to say that's called drunk with food, right? That's not called wellness. That praying mantis food in your pocket, right? You're not bad. You're not a bad person. 
but you're giving yourself permission to eat that way, it's going to kill you, right? That's called being hammered in this program. So I learned what it meant to be drunk with food, right? And that's been my experience as I really connected from that point on, uh, November 30th. He said, jump off the cliff. And um, here's where the steps come in, right? Step one, that moment where I realize I'm a drunk with food and I'm powerless and it's making my life not work, right? I don't want to follow the rules. I don't know how to. And I need a power. I need power. I don't have the power to do this. He said, jump off the cliff. Just be a student here and you'll, get, you'll find the power. And... Um, and I found the power, and um, and so that guy who walked in, uh, that guy who walked in, didn't have, couldn't access the power. And the power means is that that insanity died, that relationship with substance totally changed, and um, I became w- willing to listen and to honor. And somehow here I was able to follow things and be driven by principles that I may have or may not have known, but I was willing to take direction and look for the direction in you. Um, look for the direction in you. The guy who came here, I wouldn't hire, I wouldn't pick as a father, I wouldn't pick as a friend, and I, I wouldn't pick as a spouse. And today, I, I would pick me in, in, in 3.75 of those areas. Right? So, and, you know, I'm really, and um, almost four. And... Um, and that's a testament to the program and, and, and um, the growth here through the process of finding the power and being willing to submit myself to, to the direction that came with um, working with sponsors and going through um, the honest, honest self-reflection that I, I, I was scared to do. Um, I wasn't that scared, but that part wasn't scary. It was scary to... to to get to step nine where I had to face up to who I, to the people that I harmed. Um, but I had to look at myself in a different way and be teachable and really come to terms with, in addition to the food, the way I approached life wasn't very um, successful and hurt me and others. And um, that ego deflation um, and uh, a lot of hard lessons. I, I, on, on Sunday, somebody, the person who's giving me a candle for 19 years, she came, she, we both caught 19 years at the same time, and I like her story because she's crazy, right? And I relate to, like, noisy head. It wasn't like a, uh, like a zen journey. This has, been a, this has been a difficult, difficult, and painful time. I, I had to learn a lot of hard lessons. I lost jobs. I've lost, in this 19 years, I've lost jobs. I've lost relationships. But, you know, we will know peace, right? I, I know. That's true. There, that's true. And the guy who came in just to get that food emergency, just to get rid of that food problem, right? Now I really get what they mean when they say we, we come for the vanity, we stay for the sanity. Right? I really know what they're talking about. I don't want to hurt myself. I really don't want to anymore in any way. I don't, the guy who walked in here was so comfortable doing things that harm me, and not just food, right? Anything, right? The way my mouth, the way I spoke, right? Every, right? It, was, it was, whatever happens, happens. I don't care. I don't care. And I care, I care so much now. I care so much how um, I treat myself and you, right? Because how I treat myself and you is a big deal.
right? It's a big deal to me, and, and I didn't know, I didn't understand the gravity of that when I walked in here. It's a, you know, another, another name for this is, is called growing up, right? Right, it's, you know, leaving adolescence and getting into adulthood is very, very hard for me to, um, to make that transition. Maybe it's easy for some people. And um, just quickly, um, a day in the life, I meditate twice a day. Um, I journal every day uh, except Saturday. I, and I read it to a sponsor. I take calls. I go to four meetings a week. I don't mess around with my food ever. It's just a non-negotiable. If I'm in that, then I'm... Then not. If you see me doing that, I'm in big trouble. And... Um, and uh, I have freedom. I don't know what freedom means for you. I like Overeaters Anonymous. You know, I, I, I like it because freedom for me may be different than freedom for you. I don't know, right? I, I don't know. All I know is that the original issue that brought me in, um, I have freedom from, and uh, I really want to protect it. And um, the, way I, the way I do that is by sharing with you, helping you, and taking care of me. So thanks for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There's, there is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of our readers anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself if being recorded. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, if being recorded, please restate the question after it's asked. Who has the question? Do you have a morning spiritual routine? Do I have a morning spiritual routine? Is the question. So every morning I meditate for about 30 minutes. Um, I write. The first thing I do um, in my writing is I write what's going right. And this is my version of the 10th step. I write about, um, uh, because my head is so, my reflex is to collect problems and to be in the problem. I love investing in what's wrong. And it's very hard. It's not easy for me to access gratitude um, over the years. And more than gratitude, just in general, that most of the time my problems aren't so big. I make them bigger than they are and I get invested in them. So I write what's going right. The second thing I write about is um, what stands in, and this is from a, uh, a, a new pair of glasses. This is where the theme, Chuck C, where, I, where it came from, is um, what stands between me and God, peace, love, joy, good, trust, and faith. He spoke about synonyms of a God concept. All those, I added some, but love, good, God, they're all the same to him. So I, I identify what's keeping me from any of those things. Why am I not accessing joy? Why am I not accessing peace of mind? What's getting in the way? And usually it's um, something I'm afraid of. Um, you know, afraid I'm not... And for me, a lot of it is afraid I'm not going to have enough. So it's going to be... But if you, read, if you read, I throw it out every day, but if I save these writings, it would just be the same dumb theme all the time. I, you know, like I heard once, like 95,000, like nine, you have 100,000 thoughts a day, and most of them are recycled. But, I mean, the, the same thing. So it's, I don't, I'm, it's not going to be enough. I'm not enough. It's not enough. Uh, and I'm afraid or resentful, but it usually comes down to that. 
and um, then I write a letter to God at the end, a short letter. That's my connection to prayer. Um, and when I say God, it could, I don't even know what that means. I mean, and if I, I do, that'd be awesome, but I don't think I'll ever exactly know. And I write a letter to, to, the, to the power and, um, and try to connect and, and to live in a way that will um, uh, uh, be in line with God. And I also write some commitments. John. Hey, uh, on the um, I have a friend who I'm trying to help get on track with the food. And I know you're involved with that so- sober eating group, and I wonder if you, if you could just sort of give an explanation, short explanation of how that works and, and how to get on the right track food-wise. So the question is that John is working with someone whose, whose food is, is out of order, and um, is aware that there are people who refer to this thing called sober eating, um, which I certainly do, and um, what is that about and how does that work? So one of my... um, uh, What I needed to clarify for for myself here, um, I was so lost in Overeaters Anonymous, it was so confusing to me, like the word abstinence, like, why are we calling it abstinence? Like, why don't we use the word sobriety? What is a food plan, an abstinence, a bottom line abstinence, a technical abstinence, a floating fruit, right? A floating fruit, uh, a floating fruit, a my food gets wonky. Um, all my food, what up? My food gets wonky. I ate too much, but the recovery is, um, you know, I stuffed my face and I, but I'm so glad my bottom line abstinence is I never leave. And, and I had to, um, for me, I, and I, I enjoy, I don't, maybe it's helpful for me, I don't know if other people are like this, I enjoy being the voice of, you're wrong. And this was my, <laughs> you know, like I enjoyed being that guy who's like roared early on. I don't really roar anymore, but early on I would love, you know, like when people would share every week, I'd raise my hand. I'm like, isn't this about portion control? And I would be obnoxious. So I've changed, I hope, right? But... Um, it did fortify my own ideas for myself and help me define and refine what it means to be sober. For me, what gives me freedom? So sober eating um, is, is just my version of connecting to the doctor's opinion in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We have an obsession of the mind. We all, there is never a good reason for me to hurt myself, but my brain tells me it's okay to do that. Right, my head. I have a head that says to me, "You're 300 pounds. You can have another donut. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine." So I, I, you know, like I know that that that's not reasonable. I can't listen to this head because it doesn't give me good information when it comes to this, and um, and many other things. And once I launch that phenomenon of craving that we talk about, um, I'm in big trouble, and it's on. And I have that condition, the alcoholism with food. I certainly do. I don't know if you do. I do. And so the only um, solution that the, the big book talks about is entire abstinence. So how do I connect to that? What does it mean for me to be sober with food? So for me, it really meant this. You're fired. You are the, 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 the board of directors. You're no longer the CEO of this company. Get, get out of here. Get, step down and let, let the program guide this process. You are no, long, you are no longer um, um, competent to make decisions to be the author of what's good for you when it comes to food. 
and that's the principle. So um, I really connect to that much better if you make it for me. So nothing, everything that goes into my mouth, I know if it's allowed, and I don't want to be in charge of that. You be in charge of that. So I know what I'm going to eat, how much I'm going to eat, and when I'm going to eat it. There are certain things I can't eat, but most important in that is get me out of the way. So the question is, how do you help someone who is in need of the program, right? That you feel is in need of the program. That I feel is in need of the program. So, so, this, is a, so the, this is a program of attraction, right? We talk about not promotion. Um, I have no idea how I impact people, right? I really do. I, I, I thought I was such a you know, fucking all-star here. I didn't, nobody ever, I didn't sponsor anybody succe- successfully for years. Everybody, nobody wanted to do what I did. I was like, oh my God, they're not listening to me. And so, and the truth is how I impact people. Remember, I have to be very careful about wh- how I process information because I'm suspect of my, my information processing in general, right? I, I'm, and that's good for me to question just because I think it doesn't make it right. Um, so, some that I used to walk to my parents' house on Saturdays, and um, there was a woman I didn't know. She was super orthodox and much older than me, and she watched me. She told me, I see her in the rooms, and she was a 100-pounder. A couple of years later, she says to me, you know, you really helped me. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I would see you walking. I said, oh, my God. How did he do that? And she found out. I never spoke to her. So, and it's, she needed it. She needed the program, but every, lots of people need it. It's for people who want it. I can share my experience, strength, and hope, but I'm not, gonna, um, I'm not going to um, push it on them, right? I'm not, it's, it's, if, they, if you want what I have, you'll be willing to do what I do. I have the, one of the things I really like in the program, in, in the Valley, we have, for 100-pounder men like me, we have a a weekly meeting and we really um, get together as a group of 100 pounders and we really um, help people in this way if people want to come, if you want to come. But if you don't want to, and what we say is if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Like well, We love you anyways. And I love you. I, if you don't want to do what I do, that's awesome. Don't. Right? Like, I, 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 go find another way. I'm not, I, don't, I don't have a monopoly on this thing. So um, I hope that answered your question. So the question is, I said that step that a lot of people come into the program basically and they say, oh my God, step four, I can't imagine telling anybody, anybody the whole truth. And that thing is, I'll tell you anything. It's the problem that I had was I have to own up to it. So I have to own up to the people I've harmed. That was the thing. Anytime I went, I saw that step nine and it scared me. So um, I, I wouldn't recommend doing what I do. I didn't do the fourth step for two and a half years here. Um, I was scared, not of the fourth step, of the ninth step. So the more I stalled, uh, the, 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 the better I felt because I was voiding. So I didn't really read it carefully. I didn't read the part except when to do so would injure them or others. And I went, it took me a, a while, but I did it. And I did it with, um, a, in a very thorough sort of thoughtful work, workbooky way. 
and um, and it was hard. Like one one person, an educator who I was just awful to, he said he wouldn't talk to me. Um, he's like, I'm not, I can't do this. And uh, and ultimately, I found him a couple years later, and I tried again, and I got it. But it was hard. It was hard to um, own up. Um, some of the stuff I, I, I mean, some of the people who I thought I owed amends to, I didn't, and some of them I, I couldn't do because, because it would hurt them. And I remember one time, like, uh, there was one thing I did, which I thought, you know, like, became a debate of, like, I, you need to ask people in AA and OA, and AAs were like, you tell them no matter what, right? And the OA was like, no, no, it might hurt them. And there was like a difference, you know. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to the OAs, like I, you know, uh, and uh, it was hard. It was, it was, it was hard to own up. I'm in the middle of another one now, which I'm doing another avoidance on, and this one is, and and I, 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 I'm still. This is my second ninth step. And um, this one, you send letters to the people, and you let them have their own experience. And I'm like, oh, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I've, I've sent a bunch, and I, I've, I'm, I'm stalling again. I'm stalling again. So uh, hopefully, the next time I ever come and speak, I can just say that I finished that. Yeah. Anybody else? So the question is, when I was in active disease, I had um, a convenient identity of I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about anything, right? And I don't care what I wear. I don't care. I don't care what I look like, even though I do care. Um, I don't care about my grades. I don't care about... I, I just, like, have this big effort mentality. And so did that, did that play out in abstinence? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I have these big keys for my work. I worked in a prison for a while, so I got really into the jailer keys. <laughs> you know, like those big keys, and I thought, like, they're, I thought they're really convenient. And I, I had so many keys, um, so many keys on it that I don't even know where they're from, right? And it's so hard for me to take the keys off. That, that I don't this is hard I'd sooner write a book than be able to organize my keys it's really hard for me I mean it's really I, it sounds so simple just like it sounds simple to not eat that is so hard for me and um, I had this like I don't care what I dress I don't care if I brush my hair right I don't I don't care if it's sloppy I don't care and I so all that stuff my car is still like the last place of my my car is well my car and my side of the room are the last place in my desk like it's like I get to be the 300 pound guy in those places like it's like I'm gonna throw it on the floor right I still have that in me but I'm I so I take care of myself so much I keep like what I wear and the way the clothes fit it's so I would you know I was so distorted in this that I, I didn't care and I still have I still have so much more room to grow in caring, but I've come so far in caring. And when I say I don't care, that's just, if you catch me saying I don't care, that's just my disease still alive. Um, thank you for your sharing. Um, I'm going to try to say this simply. Um, you mentioned I'm not enough, it's not enough. Let me answer the first question. Do you have experience with um, 
you know, a couple decades, couple, the better part of a couple decades into your recovery, that the I'm not enough, it's not enough equation is no longer about, you know, your working staffs who are doing 10 steps who are taking a look at your character defects, and yet it still sits there. I'm not enough, it's not enough. You know, it's that existential kind of like, ah, what do I do? Do you have experience with, like, working your way out of there, or does it just keep showing up on the 10 step every day? So, the ninth step promises, so the question is, is this whole idea of I'm not enough, I want more, um, I'm not satisfied, I'm not content, um, no matter what I have, there's always more, there's more money, there's more career success, there's more attention, there's more um, security, there's more love, there's more anything, right? Does that ever, what I hear in that question is, does that always surface every single day or do you start to have peace around that? And what I, especially in this year, what I'm starting to experience is quiet. Um, for the first, when they talk, and, and by the way, I don't want to act, I don't want to misrepresent myself. Sometimes, right? And, and what I have this year more than any year is a sense that even if I have some of that, I'm really okay despite the noise of my head. So yeah, my head says stuff all the time. And I'm kind of like, who cares? Like, I don't even, I know, I know that I'm okay. We will know peace, right? We will know a new peace and um, a type of comfort that I'm okay. No matter what's going on, I'm okay. And sometimes that, and, and I have to be very careful because I want to get high. So I want like a drug. I want to be the quiet to stop. Like, give me a volume. But that's not what serenity is to me. Serenity is even if my head is active, I'm still okay. And I just have things that I say to myself. It's just sort of, it's just I'm wired that way. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. I mean, it depends on how you, I could, it depends on how I slept, how you look at me. I can interpret anything and recycle the same nonsense. But what I have this year is a sense that I'm okay. I'm really okay. And, um, and, and have value and can own my own value without an asterisk, right? Without a yeah, but, right? Without a explaining why I'm okay. I don't have to explain anything. I'm, I feel more effective and um, see how my experience can benefit others and not apologetically. And, and it, you don't have to take on my experience. It's not like I don't have to be right. You, know, you can have your experience. And um, so I think that has quieted some. And even if it's there, who cares? Like, uh, my head is, is just, my head, and I, I spoke at a meeting, um, I didn't speak at a meeting, I was at a meeting, and somebody with more time than me, like, he, you know, he's really funny, he's like, you're a baby, you know, like, like <laughs> you're a baby, and he said, uh, I, I walked up to him afterwards, I'm like, the head, he's like, wait till you're 25, he's like, yo, you'll get that, 25, 25, so I said, it'll go away, real quiet, real quiet, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how your relationships have changed, your relationship with yourself, relationship with other people, how you've transformed uh, through your... <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs>